We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 243 of the Pack-A-Day podcast. My name is Andy Herman. I am a writer for Cheesehead TV. You, of course, can follow me on Twitter at Scani Sports. Really great show lined up for you today. Uh, I know recently some of our analysts have uh, been really breaking down and talking about the Packers' athletic thresholds heading into the draft. A couple of our analysts have mentioned RAS, or Relative Athletic Scores, Well, today I'm incredibly excited to be talking to the creator of RAS, Kent Lee Platty of Pride of Detroit, to break down exactly what RAS is and kind of what it's meant for the Packers in recent years. I want to really just jump in and get started right away, so let me introduce Kent to Packers Nation. He is a Lions fan, so be a little bit gentle. Uh, As I mentioned, he is a writer for Pride of Detroit and a creator of the Relative Athletic Score. He is a veteran, a Lions fan, and a self-described math junkie and football nut. You can follow him on Twitter at MathBomb. Kent, thank you so much for joining me today, and welcome to the Pack-A-Day podcast. I appreciate it, man. Glad to be on. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, really excited about this. Uh, a lot of our draft analysts that have been starting to talk about the draft have already been kind of going in-depth a little bit about RAS, but I figure no better person to get it to than from the man himself. So really, really thankful for you joining us today. Before we jump into RAS and kind of into the draft, which is at the, the forefront of everyone's mind, can you start by telling your, our listeners just a little bit about yourself and how you really broke into writing about football? 
You know, I've, I've always loved football. I'm a lifelong football fan and Lions fan, so I'm used to both both watching good football and seeing the the not so good part of football. Uh, but I've always been a draft fan too. And back in uh, around 2013, I started getting really heavily into covering the draft itself and writing about the draft. Uh, it was mostly Lions centric at that time, but that's when I started looking at metrics. Uh, and you had guys that would come out of the draft that you'd hear the same thing: "Oh, this guy's super athletic," or "He's not very athletic." Uh, and sometimes the numbers, they didn't really make sense to me the way that they were being described. Uh, Le'Veon Bell's a great example because he was often described as a, a below average athlete, but that was all because he ran a 4.640. When you looked at all of his other numbers, they were fantastic. And there wasn't really a reason that they were, should have been calling him a bad athlete to begin with. Uh, but there isn't really a good way as a fan to quantify that. You know, we can look at the metrics and say, yeah, that's a bad metric. But if you don't know about the draft, do you know if a 4-6 is any good, if it's really bad, if it's just a little bit bad, maybe it's just slightly below average? Uh, so I tried to quantify everything into a, a nice, clean metric that was easy to understand. Uh, anybody can understand a 0-10 to 10 score. Anybody can understand something that's color-coded with red, yellow, and green. Uh, so I created, I created the, the score that would, that would compare a player to everyone at that position dating back. I, I got data all the way back to 1987, so it goes all the way back that far. And it compares all of the individual metrics. It creates an average, and then the average is compared to all of the average for those players, uh, and that gets you your final score from zero to ten. Uh, it's been fairly predictive when it comes to draft slotting, and in some in some instances, uh, instances statistical stuff like uh, thousand yard seasons, thousand yard receiving seasons, sacks, and things like that. So it's been a lot of fun to do, and uh, I've I've enjoyed putting it together. Everything's free, so anybody could, that wants it can go download it. Yeah, it's really phenomenal work and something that caught my eye very, uh, you know, early after you started doing it and, and something that I've certainly leaned on, certainly something that a lot of Packer fans have leaned on uh, because of the players that they've recently been selecting, which we'll get into just a moment. Uh, before we jump into that, uh, what's been kind of your, you know, biggest moment from an RAS standpoint? Um, I know you've done some draft work and things like that, but has there ever been a moment where you're like, holy cow, this has really kind of made an impact? Yeah, it's uh, this last year I, I, would, I did an interview for the New York Giants uh, official team radio station on Giants.com. Uh, and that was that was huge for me. That was so cool to actually have some validation from an actual team perspective. Right. Uh, I did that interview again, I think last week or the week before last. I did, I did it for Giants.com again. Uh, I'm actually going to be on. Uh, uh, I think it's NBC. I mean, it's Fox, one of the one of the news news stations in New York doing an interview on the air talking about the metrics. So that that's really cool to actually be validated in that way to get a little bit of media play. And it helps that it's New York, which is kind of a big market. Yeah, it's kind of a big deal and, and certainly deservedly so. You do phenomenal work. And I just love the fact that, uh, you know, you do it for uh, the love of it. And it's all out there, as you mentioned, for free. I know you also have a, a PayPal set up. If, if people really enjoy the scores, definitely go out and donate to that. But uh, again, congratulations on all your success with it so far. It's really done an awesome job. Before we kind of jump in again, just a little bit more. I'm curious. I know you're a Lions fan. Can you tell us just a little bit about who your favorite Lions player of all time is and then even though they're probably uh, you know kind of public enemy number one is there a, a Packers player that you've kind of just had a ton of respect for uh, even as a Lions fan yeah you know I, I and it's easy to jump in and say Barry Sanders right because it's Barry it, we had Barry Sanders for a decade it was amazing uh, and then of course Calvin Johnson we had him for nearly a decade uh, my current one is easily Darius Slay he's got a big mouth on him and I've been a fan of his since he started college um, but I've, I'm also a, a football historian junkie, too. I, I like football history as well. Uh, and the Lions had Joe Schmidt was one of the, the most underappreciated players in NFL history. He, he owned the linebacker position for a decade. 
Uh, he was an all pro, I think nine of the 10 years that he played in Detroit. Uh, so all time favorite is, is going to always be him as a throwback because it's not a name that gets mentioned a whole lot. Uh, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And then uh, any Packer that's stood out to you? Donald Driver is, is one of the least appreciated players, I think, that the Packers ever had. And I don't think they realized how good that they had a, in a player like Donald Driver. You, you don't get a, w, a wide receiver, too, that sticks on a team that long. I mean, most of the time when you have that number two receiver, they always end up leaving and going to another team to try to be that number one guy. Uh, but Donald Driver was around for God, how long did he even play for you guys? Like forever, right? Yeah, basically. <laughs> and he was always productive and he was always a team player. Uh, and he's just a guy that I don't think even gets appreciated by Packers fans as much as he should. Uh, but as a Lions fan, I've always loved that dude. Uh, it's a great answer. And I love the fact that you brought up Darius Slay as well. Um, one night I, I talk about uh, really loving the draft process and, and being kind of a draft nerd. One of my favorite things about it is uh, it becomes so much less about teams versus teams. And you really start developing such an enjoyment for these super talented players. And Darius Slay, um, you know, earlier in my life when I didn't evaluate the draft a ton, I probably, you know, just would have been the, the Packer fan that just, you know, dislikes all the Lions and dislikes all the Vikings and so on and so forth. But Darius Slay was a player through my draft evaluation that I fell in love with very early in the process. Uh, he was one of my top 10 players actually in that draft. I absolutely loved him. And uh, then, of course, he goes to Detroit. And it's just been a player that I've loved watching his career progress. Uh, you know, he's got the moniker of course, big play slay. And uh, just, just, if, you know, even though, if, uh, again, he, he's not exactly a, a great player from a Packers standpoint, he's a certainly phenomenal player for the Lions and in the NFL as a whole, and just absolutely love watching him play. Oh yeah. I love him. He's great. He's got a mouth on him too. Never stops running. He does, which, you know, we got that a little bit in Jair Alexander and uh, we're starting to see some of the benefits of that as well. So I think as a corner, you know, and as a fan of a corner, you always have to love someone who can talk a little smack. So let's kind of jump in a little bit. You know, one of the huge reasons that RAS is uh, su such a hot topic for uh, the Packers and their fans is because uh, really in the draft this these past couple of years, they have been selecting some serious athletic players who have some very high RAS profiles. Um, you know, I'll kind of just start by by naming some of those in the last couple drafts. So Looking back at the 2017 draft, uh, Kevin King, Josh Jones, uh, Aaron Jones, uh, Kofi Amichia, all of them had RAS scores above nine. Vince Beagle and uh, D'Angelo Yancey, all above eight. Uh, even Montrevious Adams was close to eight. Um, and then there were a couple outliers with Devontae Mays and Malachi Dupree in the seventh round, but even those guys had a 709 and a 604. And Jamal Williams with uh, was really the outlier in the, the last couple drafts with, uh, I know the, the scores have updated. I, I looked at him at a 4.68 in the version that I have currently downloaded. But then in the 2018 draft, you look at it and it was even more so the case. So everyone had a 9.0 or better in the entire 2018 draft, except Jamon Moore and Cole Madison. And of course, JK Scott, who didn't have one because he's a punter, um, but everyone else had a 9.0 or better. So this has been a metric that, um, you know, whether they're using RAS specifically or not, uh, they obviously are looking for these very high athletic profiles and, uh, you know, these uh, RAS has been really an indicator of the type of players that the Packers would look for in the draft. Yeah. And from a fan perspective, you know, when you, ha when you have a team that, that picks a certain way, it's a lot of fun trying to look at those guys and trying to guess which one you think that they're going to pick up because they trended that way. So they, that they, those are the guys, you know, you should be looking at because you know, the team is looking at them. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and like you said, it makes it more fun as a fan because you can uh, look at some of the the, the top draft you know, uh, possibilities and really kind of narrow it down to take a look at who might be that next Green Bay Packer. And if you're somebody as an outsider who, you know, maybe you don't have a ton of time to dedicate to watching a ton of tape beforehand, but maybe you kind of want to go into the draft knowing some of these guys, you can throw on some some quick five to 10 minute highlight videos of, you know, the 10 or 15 guys with the highest, you know, relative athletic score and go into the draft feeling pretty confident they're probably going to get one of those guys. And when that that name is called at pick 12, uh, that they're going to pick one of the guys that you've had a chance to watch highlights on. Oh yeah, and then it's it's really surprising if they go against that. You know, most most teams that pick pick that way, they pick the athletic guys. They don't really go away from that, and when they do, it's a surprise. So at worst case, you get a surprise out of it. Absolutely. So kind of as you've been looking at it, Kent, has is there been a team outside of the Packers that has been as predictive with RAS or a couple teams, or have the Packers been kind of the one that's been at the top of the list the past few years? The past few years have definitely been the the, the Packers. They've 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 been at the top of the charts for Raz for a couple of years now. The Patriots have always been pretty big about it. Um, in the earlier rounds, they tend to take some of the other guys in the lower rounds uh, that have the lower scores. The Bengals have always been ones that pick, pick generally high. Up until last year, the Ravens were one. I wish I could say the Lions, but they, they're kind of all over the place. Uh, but but for, for sure, the Packers are our top of there. The Eagles are another one that has, has done it for years. At, at one point, the Eagles' offensive line, their lowest – athletic score on the line was Justin Peters and it was like a nine, seven or a nine, eight or something. Oh, wow. It was ridiculous. And like the moment you hear Justin Peters, you're like, Hey, he's not a bad athlete. No, <laughs> he, was no. the, he was the quote unquote worst athlete on that line at one point. Yeah, that's insane. And certainly it's worked out well for them. I'm kind of looking at the Packers roster as a whole. 23 out of 63 of the players that are on the roster that have an RAS score are at 9.0 or better. So basically one third of the roster, Uh, 34 out of the 63 have an 8.0 or better. So basically half of the roster, 42 out of 63 have a 7.0 or better, basically two thirds of the roster and 55 out of 63, almost the entire roster, have an RAS of 5.0 or better. So uh, you can almost take a look at the Packers and just eliminate anyone that has a uh, below 5.0 score for the most part. In fact, the only draft pick uh, that the Packers have that's still currently on the entire roster that's below a 6.25 RAS is Jamal Williams, which is really intriguing as well. Oh, yeah. They, they love their athletes, man. Yeah. So it's, again, it's been something that's been super predictive for the Packers. So Kent, obviously the, the Packers have added four recent free agent signings, Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, uh, Billy Turner, Adrian Amos. What can you tell us about the RAS scores for those four players? Uh, have they kind of maintained within those thresholds or did they kind of go outside of it a bit? They did a little bit, but you kind of have to squint a bit to really consider it outside. So Adrian Amos was an easy one. He had an elite score. That one's easy. Preston Smith, another one. 9.8, so 98th percentile as an athlete. No question that they loved his athletic traits. Um, Billy Turner, he came out as a tackle, so when he when he first measured, it was only around a 7. But he plays all, all over the line, right? He plays guard. And isn't he, I'm pretty sure he's playing guard for you guys, right? That's kind of the expectation. Right, and, and he had an elite score as a guard, so it tends to be a little bit higher from a guard than a tackle. So his score was elite also at guard. Uh, Zadarius Smith wasn't. He had a below-average Raz at defensive end, but he's also a guy that plays on the interior a lot. And this is one of those few few areas where I have to kind of scribble with the numbers a little bit when you have a guy that plays either a 3-4 edge 
or an interior pass rusher, a guy that b- bounces inside on, on pass rushing downs. Uh, so I run him at both positions. I run him at end and at defensive tackle. He had an elite score at defensive tackle and a below average score at end, which is what I, I usually refer to that as just a 34 end profile where you're below average on one and then a, all the way up in elite for the other one. Uh, so Zadarius Smith was the lowest score of those guys that they picked up. Uh, but again, it's kind of a weird situation with how they use that position. Interesting. And for those of you who listened to my show a week ago where I kind of broke down the tape on Zadarius Smith, uh, you'll you know remember that I mentioned you know from an inside player, that's really where he kind of made his money. That's where he got his pressures. That's where he got his sacks. He has the ability to play all across the line. He can play that edge position. He's going to play edge a lot in Green Bay. But when you talk about him and where, where you see him really being a disrupting force, it's when he's lined up against a guard or a center on the interior. And he can use that athleticism on the interior that he doesn't necessarily always easily win with on the exterior. You mentioned it already, Kent. Um, you know, tackles usually have a little bit better athletic profiles than guards. And Zadarius Smith has a better athletic profile inside than he does outside. That really gives him that unique matchup advantage from an athletic standpoint. And again, that's where it absolutely screams on tape that he can quickly and athletically get to the quarterback, both from a speed and a power standpoint. So it really, really echoes what you're seeing in your analysis from an analytical standpoint. Oh yeah. Shortest distance to the quarterback, right? Yeah, absolutely. Again, that's where he's definitely going to make his money. So you're obviously uh, starting to take a, a really deep dive into some of these athletic profiles for the upcoming draft. Who are maybe a handful of profiles in the top 50 of the draft that really, really performed well so far and that Packer fans should keep an eye on? And maybe on the flip side, a handful that really performed badly and Packer fans can probably take them right off of the draft board. Sure. Um, both of the two Iowa tight ends did, did amazing at the combine. Noah Fant and uh, TJ Hawkinson both ended up with elite scores. I, it's bounced back and forth, but I get the feeling that TJ Hawkinson's probably going to be the first guy taken and Fant will probably go a little bit later. Uh, but they're both names to pay attention to because of where the Packers are picking. Um, so those two are easy ones. A lot of the tackles disappointed. I'll get to them in a second. But uh, Andre Dillard from Washington State did not. He's considered the best pass protector in this draft. And he's a name to keep keep an eye on, not just from a Packers perspective, but an NFC North perspective. I know the Vikings are paying very close attention to him, and we don't want him to go there either if he's going to protect their <laughs> no. quarterback. No. Uh, Brian Burns came in a little bit undersized, but his his scores were ridiculous otherwise. His, his worst score from an athletic standpoint was 89th percentile. His vertical was an 89, 89th percentile, and that was his worst, at, worst athletic measurement. So wow. he's got some tools, man. Um, I, I have a feeling he's going to go a little bit higher. It seems like his stock keeps going up and down, but he'll probably go really early. Uh, outside of the first round, guys, you have Chris Lindstrom from Boston College. He's a guard. Came in with a with a top tier athletic profile. None of his measurements were below average, so he's got got it all. Uh, Miles Boykin is a wide receiver out of Notre Dame. I've seen his stock a little bit lower than the top fifty, but his athletic profile is one that tends to go in that top fifty. Uh, he had 99.9 percentile in both of his explosion drills. He had a 43 and a half inch vert and an 11 eight broad. So he's big and explosive, and that's that's a guy that tends to go higher in the draft. Justin Lane's a cor- uh, cornerback out of Michigan State. Uh, also had an elite athletic profile, and I've seen him rising. Not seems like nonstop. So he's probably going to go in the top 50 as well. And the last one is a name that it's probably going to be at the latter part of that top 50. But I I keep hearing his name moving up every time anybody talks about. One of those guys where. They don't really have him rated in the top 50, but it feels like he's going to go there, which is Max Crosby out of Eastern Michigan. He actually had the highest relative athletic score of any of the pass rushers at the combine. 
he measured elite in every metric except for his weight. He he can't measured as a defensive end, and he's just a little bit undersized there at 255 pounds. Uh, but that's not undersized for a defense like the Packers or the Lions. So both teams should be keeping an eye on him. Uh, but he's a guy that I feel like is going to go in the top 50, even though a lot of people don't have him rated there right now. Interesting. Great, great names to keep an eye on. And I know certainly a lot of Packer fans on the TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant and Brian Burns bandwagon. So a lot of Packer fans will be excited to hear those three names. Now, uh, on the flip side, uh, obviously, there are some players that uh, did not perform uh, as expected at the combine. Who are some who are some ones that Packer fans should probably cross off their lists? So Jonah Williams was was considered one of the top uh, top offensive tackles in the draft up until the combine. And you've kind of heard his name sliding a bit, and most of it was due to how he measured. Uh, a lot of a lot was made about his arms, his arm length. He got compared to Brian Balaga. He got compared to Joe Thomas, and he didn't measure anywhere near either one of those guys. He only had three scores that ended up below average when it came to the actual metric standpoint. But two of the three are the most important ones for an offensive lineman in his shuttle and his cone. So he ended up just barely above average for Raz. He has a 5.4 right now. Uh, that's not good for a guy that's supposed to be the top guy in the draft. Uh, no. Greg Little's another tackle. He came in just below that. He didn't do very well either. Ja'Kai Polite out of Florida, he bombed every part of the combine, not just the metrics, but also the interviews. So he's probably not going to be – he's not going to come out of this smelling very well. He ended up with a 3.53 after the combine. He's still got a chance to make up for it. Uh, at his pro day, but it wasn't a good start at all. I'm curious what uh, Jonah Williams' uh, ten uh, ten yard split was uh, in, in from an RAS standpoint. Ooh, and I actually got those just today when I ran all, all my stuff this morning. I'm, I'm putting you on the spot. I know. Yep, I got it up. <laughs> um, his ten yard split was 1.77, which is very good. His, his his three speed scores were the only elite scores that he had. It was the 40, 20, and 10 split. Interesting. So I know I know 10 yard split is something that it seems like Packers have kind of uh, used as a, a high end metric for them. But like you said, some of those those top end metrics, uh, he he def- definitely didn't uh, didn't test as well as he would have liked, I'm sure. And um, it, it probably well enough to maybe be one of that top 10, top 15 players in the draft. So probably a player that the Packers can and Packers fans can take off of their board at number 12. And he's probably not going to be there at 30. So I'm probably not going to see Jonah Williams in green and gold this year. Yeah. Two other guys that I wanted to mention that, that I feel like didn't, didn't come out smelling very good either. were both of the Wisconsin guys, Michael Deiter and uh, Ben, Oh, Ben, that guy. <laughs> You're good. Ben Shawl, right? Isn't it Ben Shawl? Ben Chazel, yeah. yeah. So neither of those guys measured out very well. They didn't measure poorly, uh, but they didn't measure out very well either. So they, they ended up with above average scores, but both of them were under six and over five. So just above average. That was disappointing, too. I expected both of those guys to do a lot better. And again, remember the the Packers have only or only have one draft pick on the roster that was under a six point two five, and that was Jamal Williams. So again, not a good sign if you're hoping for maybe a couple of those Badgers to come to Green Bay. Uh, certainly not looking very very great. All right, I, I know you're uh, just a big draft guy in general. Um, any players that you've really fallen in love with throughout this process so far? Oh yeah, I've got all kinds of guys. So I'm, I've always been a, a big tight end junk, a tight end fan. I always loved scouting tight ends. That's one of my favorite positions to look at. Uh, Irv Smith actually did really poorly at the combine. His score ended up uh, was it below average at one point. I think he might have got it just above average after I got all the final stuff put together. Nope, still just below average. So not so much Irv Smith, but uh, m- one of my guys is uh, Kahale Waring. When it goes to San Diego State, 
Uh, he ended up with the third highest RAS at the combine out of tight ends. Uh, ended up with a 9.39 as of right now. Uh, Drew Sample, I like for a weird reason. So Drew Sample out of Washington ended up with an elite score, but not one of his individual metrics were above eight. So his his average that once everything gets all calculated in, uh, he ended up with an elite score. It's an 8.8 right now, but no, none of his individual scores were in the 80th percentile or higher, which just never happens. I've, I've only got a few guys that's ever happened with. So I want to see where his career goes just from a pure uh, an, an analytic standpoint to see where that kind of profile goes. You know, the, the, the guy that's just a little bit better than everybody else at everything, but not elite at any one trait. Sure. He's a guy, he's a guy I want to watch. Uh, I already mentioned Max Crosby out of Eastern Michigan. Uh, he's a guy that, that I want to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, from linebackers, not just because he has a great name. So if you follow me on Twitter, you know, I love guys with great names, but <laughs> not just because of that, but Sione Takitaki out of Brigham, Brigham Young, uh, he ended up with an elite profile, but he's got a really good story. If you get a chance to look into him, he he had a really rough life. He got arrested a few times. He was very troubled when he first started out in college, uh, but he got married and he turned his life around and ended up a team captain last year. Uh, and then he came to the combine and put up an elite athletic profile and he's going to get drafted sometime probably early day three. But he's a really cool story and a good guy to look into. And he's got an elite athletic profile. So, of course, I got to like him for that. Yeah, absolutely. He's hitting all of your metrics. Great name, uh, great story, and uh, great <laughs> metrics. I love it, man. Absolutely. All right, so definitely some names to keep an eye on. Now, uh, as a, a Lions fan and with the Packers being in the division, uh, kind of moving away from the draft a little bit, I'm curious at you know your outsider's perspective as to how the Packers have done this offseason so far. Obviously hiring a new coach in Matt LaFleur, bringing in a new coaching staff. And then also, you know, adding those four free agents as a Lions fan, are you, uh, you know, more concerned, less concerned, or, you know, equally as concerned or not concerned as you were going into the offseason uh, about the Packers? I feel like they've kind of been checking boxes, right? So you, you don't want to, you don't want to come into the, uh, to the, the, the draft worse off than you were at the beginning of the offseason. You know, you don't want to trade away your best players. You don't want to not fill any, any particular holes. Uh, but the Packers did a really good job last year of picking guys that maybe needed some development but had really high ceilings. You know, both the corners that they took, they took a bunch of really athletic receivers. You know, they were trying to build pieces for this year rather than trying to get that immediate impact in 2018. Uh, so I'm, I'm more interested to see where their 2018 draft picks factor into 2019 than I am as much about their free agent signings, which isn't to say that they had bad free agent signings. Preston Smith was a great get. Zadarius Smith was a great get. Adrian Amos was a great get. Those are all really good gets to, to come out of the offseason with. Uh, but mostly it's just checking boxes. If they had a plan that they wanted to build long-term, you, know, you have a quarterback like, like, like Aaron Rodgers who's getting a little bit longer in the tooth, but he's got some years yet. You usually don't see a team trying to build for the future, but the Packers are doing just that. They're not just in win-now mode. And a lot of teams tend to fall into that trap where they're just trying to get that, that – last couple of years out of their quarterback uh, the Packers seem like they're building not just to help Aaron Rodgers out now but also to build for whoever ends up taking over for him which I hate to see as a Lions fan I was kind of hoping that they would try to fizzle out after a year or two or make some really bad moves uh, but they're not they look like they're building for the future 
Yeah, it's an interesting perspective because I think depending on what Packer fan you talk to, uh, there's a, a level of frustration that they're not maybe going a little bit more all in while they're they still have Aaron Rodgers playing at a, a pretty high level, um, where as others are obviously more content with saying, uh, you know, let's let's not just you know throw in everything into one or two seasons and then uh, you know hope for the best and if you don't get a Super Bowl in those two, uh, you know then what? So, but it's been a, it's been a little bit of an interesting division from that standpoint, and it's it's interesting to hear your perspective on it you know you've seen it almost as a a negative as a Lions fan that you were hoping that they would go all in whereas you know the Packers <laughs> fans were also kind of hoping they go all in so just kind of an interesting perspective everybody wants to see the good teams fall apart they don't <laughs> they don't want to see them get continue to get better very true very true so last but not least again you're a huge Lions fan curious uh you know your thoughts on where the Lions have headed this offseason obviously some some really key additions with Trey Flowers Jesse James Justin Coleman Danny Amendola just uh this weekend Rashawn Melvin I know there were a couple other ones in there as well and really they kind of got things started even a little bit earlier uh, if you kind of go back to mid last season when they acquired Snacks Harrison so what's been your impression of this offseason for for Detroit and and where do you kind of see them heading into 2019? Yeah, so the Detroit Lions are not a very exciting team right now. They were probably <laughs> they were probably one of the most boring teams in the NFL last year, with the exception of a couple of weeks where they did not not just where you win. You always want your team to win, uh, but if you're a losing team, you don't want your team to be boring. Uh, and I've watched a lot of losing teams. I've been a Lions fan my whole life. Uh, but I've watched some teams that lost, and they were at least a little bit exciting. There was something around the team. There was buzz. Uh, and there just isn't that. And it isn't that the team doesn't have anything going for it. There's a lot of positives about Matt Patricia and the way that he's installing his defense. You mentioned Snacks Harrison. But honestly, when you really look at it, picking up a nose tackle and having that be your biggest addition and, and your best piece, that's boring. I mean, that's, sure. that's the guy that eats space and, and takes the time. And Snacks Harrison is amazing, and he's awesome, and he's really fun to follow on Twitter, and he calls people out who try to say they know things about blockers. And it's, it's, he's a good guy, and he's great. But at the same time, it's still a nose tackle. It's still a guy who's there to eat space and facilitate the rest of the defense. And that's what you've been seeing, even getting Trey Flowers. Trey Flowers had, what, seven and a half sacks or something like that last year. He, didn't, he isn't a sack master. He's got a ton right. of pressures that he's getting. But they didn't pick him up because they want to get that top-tier, double-digit sacks guy. They got him because he's a, a cog in the machine. He's a guy who's going to provide pressure off of the edge and set the edge on, against the run while Snacks Harrison and Ashawn Robinson eat up space in the middle. He's a piece of the puzzle, and that's not super exciting. Uh, the same thing is true with Jesse James. They pick up a guy who's basically a tight end, a high-end tight end, too, who can block, uh, who can catch every now and again, but he's not a burner. He's not a guy that's going to to offer you a lot of, of, of root options. He's only got a few things that he can really do. So, yeah, it's it's a good pickup, but at the same time, it's not super exciting. There isn't really any pizzazz there. It's just another guy who's a, a cog in the machine. Uh, and looking forward to the draft, you know, everybody wants that big, huge pass rusher, the top-tier tight end so that we can open up our passing offense. I'm pretty much resigned they're going to get, like, a guard or something. <laughs> just just like, oh, yeah, another guy that's going to help the team and push things along, but it's not super exciting. Um, you, want, you want your team to be exciting, but you want your team to win more. And the hope is that this approach is going to work. But from an actual fan excitement standpoint, there's not a whole lot going on. 
No, I, I can definitely understand that. And, uh, you know, sometimes as a fan, especially when a, a franchise is struggling, you just want something sexy to happen. You know, a right. big free agent signing, uh, somebody that's going to be a massive playmaker. And uh, if at least you're not winning, at least you've got that Barry Sanders that you can lean on where you know you're going to have uh, super fun every Sunday watching a specific player. So uh, I can certainly understand that. Um, very, very last but not least, you know, obviously the, the, the Lions do pick four picks right before the Packers at pick eight. Um, anyone that the Lions have kind of been rumored to be targeting and, and someone that they may take, uh, you know, before the Packers have a chance to take them? This has actually been really quiet this offseason. The Lions have telegraphed their, their early picks fairly, fairly, fairly well the last couple of years um, to the point where I, I and humble brag, I, I specifically called out Kenny Galladay as being their third round pick before the first round even started a couple of years back. Sure. Uh, so they, they haven't been hiding who they've been interested in up until this year. Uh, there isn't really anybody that they're showing a ton of interest in in the early rounds. I don't think anybody has any clue what they're going to do. Uh, from a Packers perspective, you know, picking a couple picks ahead, there's always somebody that they're going to take that someone out there wanted for their team. Uh, but I don't think we're going to completely rob the Packers like we did last year taking Frank Ragnow before the Bengals. Frank Ragnow was the Bengals' top target. They picked right after us, and we took him. And my Bengals fans' friends were not <laughs> happy at all. I don't think there's going to be that. I would love to take a Brian Burns. I, I would be okay taking one of the tight ends, but I don't, I'm not even sure that's going to be the pick. I, I mentioned a, a guard as a joke, but it, I wouldn't be surprised to see them take someone like Garrett Bradbury, the center out of North Carolina state. Uh, I mentioned Chris Lindstrom. I don't think they're going to take him that high, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if they start poking around those guys because they they've been building from the offensive line out and it's not off the table. And it's, I, I just feel like it's going to be a shocker of a pick. Like they're going to come out and pick somebody that nobody had mocked to them again. Uh, you know, with how quiet they're being, uh, you know, and, and to really help the Packers out, you know, maybe they should go take a quarterback, Kent, you know, <laughs> get all the quarterbacks gone before the Packers pick. That'd be great. Yeah. My first mock was actually, actually had them taking Dwayne Haskins because I wanted to see how the rest of the board would fall from a Lions perspective if they took a quarterback. And even though I prefaced that mock by saying, Hey, I'm doing this purely for a thought exercise. There's still fans out there who are like, yeah, screw Stafford. You know, every, every team has their haters for their quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime you mention the quarterback in any capacity, you're, you're bound to get some hot takes. There's no question about that. Kent, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been a real pleasure. I sincerely appreciate all the work that you do for the draft community, uh, putting all you know, putting together uh, not only the the Raz scores, but uh, you know, it's it's really easy to use. You do it for free, and I know you put a, a ton of time, and it's a real labor of love for you. So I really appreciate the the time that you put into it. Where can people find those scores, and where can people find you on social media and read your work? Sure, you can find me most of the time at Math Bomb. On Twitter, that's M-A-T-H-B-O-M-B. I'm easy to find. I'll usually respond back when people ask me questions. Uh, I do have a day job, so if you get me after five, you're much more likely to get an answer than if you get me during the day. You can find most of my work up at RelativeAthleticScores.com. It's my own site that I maintain. It's mostly just tables and a little bit of research. Um, And then, of course, I I write for Pride of Detroit and one of the SB Nation sites, so you can get me there. But again, Twitter, find me there. That's where I'm at. All right. Well, Ken, thanks so much again. This was fantastic. Really appreciate it. Uh, For those listening in, make sure to listen in tomorrow as Jake and Ross continue to keep you updated with the Packers offseason. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. Follow Kent on Twitter at MathBomb. 
Um, lastly, if you haven't yet, make sure to pick up a copy of the Cheesehead TV Draft Guide. Uh, it includes some really amazing features. It's focused entirely on the Green Bay Packers. Uh, of course, with uh, with the Packers in mind, it's going to cover you know all the top prospects in the draft. Um, it includes features from some friends of the podcast, including Aaron Nagler, Michelle Bruton, Jersey Al. Um, and it also includes full player breakdowns from Packaday Podcast's own Jake Morley, who is doing the fullbacks and kickers, Jacob Westendorf, who's doing the tight ends, Owen Reese, who's doing the interior offensive line, as well as the punters, Tyler Grezegorek, who's doing the interior defensive line, Ross Uglum, who's doing edge defenders, and I actually completed the quarterback and receivers portion of the guide as well. Again, the entire guide is geared towards Packer fans, the only draft guide that does that. You can go to cheeseheadtv.com right now and pre-order the guide for only $6.99. It goes up to $8.99 after April 5th, so make sure to get after it and get it right now. Uh, you get it before the draft. You can pick up uh, you know, all that great information from all those great writers, and it's just going to be a really, really great piece. Uh, if you haven't seen it, they've posted uh, last year's guide, so you can kind of take a look at it. Uh, but just really great work from a lot of great people, so make sure to go to and support them. Again, $6.99 on cheeseheadtv.com. Huge thank you again to my guest, Kent Lee Platty. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, and until next time, Go Pack Go. One kick away from the NFC Championship game from the 41. Left half spot, 51 yard. Field goal attempt, snap. 